Police in Calgary have charged Richard Robert Mantha, 59 years old, with 16 counts, including kidnapping, forcible confinement, sexual assault, sexual assault with a weapon, the list goes on. Uh, some really troubling details around this case in the, uh, at least according to the police and uh, what they've charged him related to, they say between December of 2021 and March of 2023, at least three women believed to have been approached by a man uh, in the Forest Lawn neighborhood of Calgary. They were allegedly drugged and then taken to a property east of the city where they were physically and sexually assaulted. And according to court documents, um, one of the victims, um, allegedly August 2021 to November of 2022, uh, so we're talking well over a year this person was held, with respect to that victim, Mantha is accused of sexual assault, unlawful confinement, threats of, to cause death or bodily harm, and pointing a firearm. I mean, the, the the charges are incredibly disturbing. He's due in court today, and of course, police saying they're suspecting that there's probably more victims who haven't come forward. So, uh, a lot of questions about this case. Let's chat with Doug King, who is a full professor in justice studies at Mount Royal University. Doug, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, a, a case like this, it's almost certain, and police are sort of saying this, they, they, they can't lay any more charges, but they're almost certain that there are other victims out there that just haven't come forward, right? Well, I don't know if it's uh, as certain as that, but I think that's a reasonable assumption that moving forward that the police have to um, uh, reach out and begin to uh, canvas sex workers in the area and beyond. And let, first of all, let them know that they're safe from, from this predator um, if they have been victimized by him and that they can come forward. So I think we're all kind of um, uh, waiting on pins and needles that this does not get worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, and, and one of the questions that people are raising right now, and I think it's a fair question, and I think RCMP and police are going to have to come together and talk about how we came to this point, is uh, this person had a number of outstanding warrants and they say that CPS got some pieces of information and RCMP got some pieces of information and it took a really, really long time to get to the stage of charging. Um, are there some legitimate questions about how this investigation unfolded and maybe something was missed? Well, I think there is. I think for those of us of a certain generation and a certain time, um, as soon as we heard what was happening, uh, it had happened out in Chesmere, um, I instantly thought of Robert Pick. Sure. And... Yeah. Um, those of us that are familiar with that horror and uh, the lack of police communication across jurisdictions in terms of uh, Vancouver Police and then the Surrey RCMP leads us to ask a legitimate question. Uh, what did either uh, RCMP and Chesmer or Calgary Police Service know? When did they know? And were they, were they in a position to be able to talk to one another about it? I think it's a really legitimate question. I know I've, I've been receiving some pushback saying I should be more supportive of the police. But for those of us that live through Picton, um, that's a question that the police have to answer. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people saying, well, listen, this guy's had outstanding awards. I mean, he was charged back in 2016 with, um, you know, firearms-related charges and things like that and uttering threats. So this, he's been known to police for seven years, you know, it, on outstanding warrants, why didn't they, you know, bring him in? That's typically not how it works with warrants, is it? Yeah. Well, typically, what happens with a warrant is that it will be 
posted on something called CPIC, Canadian Police Information Center. And that would then be available to all police agencies across Canada that the individual had an outstanding warrant for them. Now, uh, police have to make a decision depending on the reason for the warrant. Do they actively go out and search for the individual? Or, more often than not, they will just simply wait until the individual crosses paths yeah. with the police, traffic accident or something along those lines, and then engage in the warrant. So I think, again, that's a legitimate question that the public has right to know. Uh, was there any attempt to follow up? And if not, why not with these outstanding warrants? And, you know, of course, when you take a look at the crime itself, um, we've got vulnerable people that and, and that's unfortunately something we need to recognize is um, these people were probably targeted because of the fact that somebody can be taken off the street and held captive for a year. And maybe people won't even, you know, report it. It won't be something that comes to attention of authorities the way it would be if it was somebody else. I mean, that's just the harsh reality of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also I suspect that the victims were threatened by the individual, uh, saying, don't go to the police or else it'll get much worse for you. So I suspect that was the case, so there'd be that form of intimidation. Um, we, you know, it, it, the whole issue of, of sex work and how we regulate sex work in Canada goes back a very long way. There was a, a very important Supreme Court decision in, I think it was, uh, I can't remember actually the date now, but it was called Bedford, the Bedford decision, in which the Supreme Court said some of the provisions in the criminal code that prevent the establishment of body houses or what we would call brothels, um, the prevention of that actually puts sex workers at enormous risk and were therefore unconstitutional. Uh, and the, the principle uh, behind that was the Picton uh, uh, situation. Um, the government of Canada today didn't, uh, you know, they modified the law a little bit, but they didn't really follow the Supreme Court suggested. And now we're in this situation again. Um, and hopefully there's a case coming out of Ontario that may revisit all of this. But, you yeah, know, what people need to realize is that sex workers are not criminal in their action. It is not against the law in Canada to be a sex worker. There are restrictions on public communication for persons soliciting or restrictions on on procuring a, a prostitute for, for sexual favors and things like that. Yeah. But uh, these, are, uh, these individuals who are sex workers need the protection under the law. And if we are not prepared to extend that to them, I'm not really sure what we're doing. Yeah, and I think there'll be a lot of questions. And like you say, we're all waiting to see how far this may go and how bad it may get. It's already awful, uh, and everybody's mm-hmm. a little concerned that it may get worse. And I guess suspect in court today, and we'll just have to wait and see if more people come forward, right? That's where we're at, Doug? Indeed. I, you know, we can't, we can't stress it enough whenever we have a public forum. If you've been victimized by anyone, regardless of, you know, if it's in this case or another case or whatever, go to the police. I think that's the first step. They will um, uh, extend some form of protection to you, but it will also help further investigation. Uh, Doug, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you being here.